Hey guys, and welcome to Personality Bingo with me, your host, Tom Moran. So this week on the podcast, we have Hannah Mamalis. Hannah is an actor, a writer, and a comedian based here in Dublin, originally from Connemara in Galway. She has a show coming up in the Dublin Fringe Festival called The Egg is a Lonely Hunter. It's in the Project Arts Centre downstairs in the Cube, and it runs from the 13th to the 17th. Uh, we talk all about it on the podcast, but I'd encourage you guys to go and see it. I've seen Hannah on stage before, and she's absolutely hysterical. This show sounds fascinating, and go get tickets for it right now. Guys, other than that, let's just get started. Stuck into it. Here is Hannah Mamalis playing personality bingo with Tom Morin. Hannah Mamalis, you ready to play personality bingo? Yeah. Okay, let's do it. Right, so I'll do a quick explainer of how it all works. I've got 60 balls in here. Cool. I'm going to put 60 minutes on the clock and I have 60 questions for you right here. I've also randomly generated five numbers for you here. Would you do me a favour and read yeah. out those five numbers? Uh, 11. Great. 19. Nice. 29. Cool. 45. Deadly. 57. Wonderful. How do you feel about them numbers thus far? Yeah, they're pretty eclectic. Mm. Uh, it's kind of... Uh, they're in all of the, except in the 30s, there's kind of one in every every little category. Yeah. Like, you see, I actually picked the numbers. I kind of lied. They're randomly generated from my brain. And I try, you know when you're making an effort, like, pick something that looks like it has no pattern to it. Yeah. <laughs> but then, sometimes I'm like, then that's not random. Because, you know, if you're like, I don't know, like, you see someone, like, getting a lot of numbers and they might have, like, 54 and 55. Yeah. Which... You don't know what's subconsciously influencing you either, you know what I mean? You can't yeah. trust your own brain. You no know? way. Like, you don't know what's going on in there. So what I'm really saying is I fucked you over already. Yeah, clearly. Um. Okay, and then, so, uh, would you do me a favour and pick a sixth number between 1 and 60 of your choosing? Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fill in the... I'm gonna do 32. Ooh. And put it... Put it now I have one in every one. Bold. For, yeah, one to ten. Nice. Thirty-two. Any reason for thirty-two specifically? No, absolutely none. Whoa. <laughs> Just gonna go for it. We can't trust your brain either. No. You've learned already. Yeah. Uh, okay. Nice one. And if you do, uh, th- if your six numbers manage to come out, that means that you get to turn the tables and ask me any question that you like. Cool. It's always weird to say that to someone because we've literally just met about like seven minutes ago. So yeah, like, like, I literally don't want to know anything, anything about you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you can. So I mean, do with that information what you will. All right. I'll keep that in the back pocket. Right. Let's go for a spin. Oh, I think I spun the wrong way. Oh, no. Oh. Bad start. Okay, here we go. Number 47, right at the gate. Nope. Okay, no worries. Number 47. Question is... Happy or sad, tell us about a moment in your life that you'll never forget. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, sad. Ooh, okay. Nice. Um, I... I remember, I actually don't remember specifically what it was about, uh, but I remember I was in college and I think, I think maybe like second year, maybe first year. And I remember um, being really, being re- feeling really low about something. Mm. And uh, I think it was, I think it was potentially hormonal. I don't really, I don't think it was like grounded specifically in anything. Mm-hmm. And I remember my mom was knocking around. My mom, my family are based in Galway, but 
uh, my mom comes up to Dublin for work sometimes and I remember she was was knocking around and I think I called her upset and I remember she came over to the house and uh, she just took me for a drive and we went for a drive in the car and I think we went down to Dunleary or something which is actually where I live now uh, but at the time I was living near Sandyford mm. and uh, we just parked the car uh, and I remember I was I was just crying irrationally and she was just kind of really nice about it and uh, was like you know it's grand and you could cry and here we are and this is it kind of thing and it kind of it mirrored I always feel like uh, the deep conversations I might have with my mom or moments like that they're always in the car I don't know why mm. I think it was because we were always going somewhere we, so we were like way out in the middle of nowhere in uh, Connemara in Galway right. so it always took ages to get anywhere so we were always in the car and you know be it driving an hour into the city or driving up to Dublin or something like that uh, and I guess in the car there's time for things to like breathe mm. there's like you know maybe three hours four hours where uh, you have to chat about stuff. Mm-hmm. So shit's going to come out. 100%. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think as well, they, they say, like, I actually, it was something that I heard about men, but there, like, there's no reason why it would specifically have to be about men, but, like, that humans, you know, when, like, you know, uh, you know, when we were, like, you know, like, evolving or whatever, like, mm. you know, you were just, the times when you would be, like, walking for long distances, like, you're always walking side by side, so we're, like, actually designed... Or like in our brains, I think we're more comfortable talking when we're not making eye contact. Yeah, and moving maybe. Moving like a task to do. Yeah. And looking out, like I think that th- the reason I mentioned that it was to do with men because I, I, it was someone which is drawing a parallel between like lads, and I can relate to it if they're having a, a, a serious conversation. It might be you know if they were like playing like FIFA or something and they're like looking at a thing. Yeah. Doing, not dissimilar to driving. Yeah, it's when you're. I think it's when your brain is almost distracted and then. It, it can be allowed be a little more vulnerable because something can slip in mm-hmm. because you're not on guard. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, and it's similar if you think about um, acting, for example. Apparently, it's supposed to be uh, a lot easier to act if you're doing something else. So, say if you're like eating something mm. in a scene, it's a lot easier and it looks a lot more natural. That's why Brad Pitt eats a lot in movies. Really? Uh, it's an actual thing that if you're eating something, your brain is distracted and it's not thinking about acting. It's just saying the lines, mm-hmm. basically. So it's a lot easier to do. So I think it probably is a, a similar thing like that, 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 yeah, it just lets stuff in mm. a little bit more, maybe. Yeah, and I, are you close to your mom generally? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm an only child. Okay. Uh, so so she was my mate. Yeah. Enough, that was it. Uh, I remember there was a similar, like, kind of echoes, a similar thing. I remember when I got my Leaving Cert results and... Or was it my Junior Cert? It was my Junior Cert results. And um, I failed higher maths for my Junior Cert. And I remember I was really, really upset about it. I knew I was I was awful at maths, like, really bad. Um, and I think I knew I was going to do badly, but it was just that clarification of, like, oh, shit, I, I failed a thing. And it was a similar thing. I remember I picked up my results at school. And I w- and then me and mom went and drove up like a back road behind my house and just sat there in the car. I was I was crying and she was like, "Who gives it? It's your junior, so who gives a shit about whether you failed maths or not? You know what I mean? It's not, it's not relevant to everything. It's not not relevant to your life in any way. It doesn't doesn't matter. Mm. And so it's it's yeah, it's like a similar thing of driving, parking the car. Now let's have a chat. You know? Yeah. Now let's get it all out. Yeah, it's such a bizarre notion, isn't it? Like even in the junior cert, like. <laughs> Even that, like, you would fail something. Of course, yeah. there has to be, like, standards and stuff, I'm sure. I don't know, like, the, like, science behind, like, what they're, you know, trying to, like, 
establishing in young people yeah. but the idea yeah that you're just thinking of like poor little 14 year old 15 year old you it's a bad vernacular like to say failed mm. you failed you know what I mean that's you know that's it you know it's you're bad basically you're like and and yeah it's definitely one of those things that sits and you're like I am bad especially at 14 yeah because you you will believe that so easily mm-hmm Definitely. 100%, yeah, it, it's really weird. Is there any, you know, because that's like the messed up thing about the leaving, so if you fail, like English, Irish, maths, right, you're you're done. Yeah, you can't, it doesn't apply or something. Yeah, like I think you can't like repeated. go forward. Yeah. Which is <laughs> kind of mad. It is, yeah. It was a thing then, like, I remember for the leaving, so then I did lower maths. Mm. Also because, I mean, and that was why... I kind of continued doing higher maths for the junior cert because at the time the uh, syllabus for lower maths for the leaving cert was very similar to the syllabus for higher maths for the junior cert. So uh, it was like getting a second go at it. If I continued and kept doing higher maths for the junior cert and then I went and did lower for the leaving cert, it would like be compounded in my brain twice and it would be easier. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think my my mom had kind of said it to me. She was like, look, just keep going with it. Just keep doing it. And it'll stand to you a bit, um, and that's why I did because I uh, I should have been in lower because I just didn't. yeah, like it, it's such a me- like. Do you know when you actually take a step back? Because I actually haven't thought about school and stuff in a while. Mm. When you take a step back and you just think about like it's a, a really good like way of breaking down like how the world is completely unfair. Mm. Th- that like you're like I'm not good at maths either. Your brain, my brain, like we're just not good at maths. It's pr- it's not our fault. We probably yeah, worked like pretty hard in a at it. Way. You know, mm. and like when you can put that across, like lots of other different things. Like I recently, I was, I was having like a, a not an, a, I suppose an issue with someone in just the sense I was finding it really hard to get them and to get in the same mm. wavelength. And I, and I needed to like it was important because we were you know together and we we're trying to do something. And I was like, I just can't get on the same wavelength. Where are you this, coming from? Yeah. And and then you're just like, okay, first of all, it could be 100% me. You, generally speaking, you, you tend to put out things on the other person. So I was like, maybe that person just struggles with people. Like, mm. what a fucking burden that potentially is to carry around with you. Yeah. Because yeah. there's loads of people that like, just don't know. Then you just can't communicate properly. Yeah. Definitely. It's not necessarily their fault, but like, they, it can have a really like, alienating effect in the people you're around. Yeah which must be like a super difficult place to be in kind of this like self-fulfilling prophecy of like... And cycle constantly, yeah. You know, it's mm. weird. Like just like there is this... I do think there's this weird thing like in, in the world now where like... Because we have so many comforts just like across the board. There's obviously terrible things going on everywhere. Mm. But like generally speaking, it is the best time to be alive. It's by far the safest time to... 100%. And we're so like... I think we always have to be really grateful for that sometimes you can get wrapped up in stuff and not and not register that at all mm-hmm. but definitely like <laughs> I was watching uh, I just when I was over in Edinburgh um, on Sunday I'd gone out on Saturday night and I was really hung over and then the Sunday night I was like I'm not I'm not leaving the apartment mm-hmm. that's it and one of the other uh, girls who was staying there she was the same and we watched uh, Les Mis <laughs> which is just the bleakest movie of all time uh, and and we were talking about that. We were saying like, 
God, you know, like the 18th century, like, no, yeah. you, just, you were just cold and hungry and diseased all the time. Like, you know, because there was that massive uh, divide, you know, especially what's articulated in Les Mis, because it is about revolution and it's about the lower class and the higher classes and how there is this, you know, giant gap between them. Mm. But it was more likely that you were going to be a lower class person and that was just insanely difficult and i was like oh god that'd just be really really awful mm-hmm. um so uh, compared to now yeah 100 percent. and i think like so if all right let's take that as an example like that like evolution like from then to now obviously there's still a massive dis- divide between like the classes and mm, rich and poor absolutely however like you know even like life expectancies like are significantly like higher now you know what mm-hmm. is the average age like you live into your late 70s early 80s something like that mm, yeah. so like um but but like i wonder is that the next thing so like we've managed to like kind of like relatively speaking probably like balance out like loads of things for rich and poor obviously there's such a discrepancy yeah, still there's a there's a plateau 100 percent. yeah so i wonder like is the next evolution like where like because I'm sure scientifically it's not like a million miles away. Because they say that, you know, that in probably now you can already like pick like the eye color of your child mm. or like n- genetically modify people that like will try and like eradicate like flaws. Like, so like, yeah. let's just say different universe, your mom is like, I want Hannah to be good at maths and yeah. like just goes back and like tweaks that. that part of your brain. Yeah. I don't know why I'm going all like bro <laughs> science now, but just it's just interesting. I know it is. Yeah. What's interesting is, uh, I don't know, I it's hard to trust humanity because we're so easily influenced by things and we really we really want to do things for the better of mankind but it 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 can often be to the detriment sometimes because i think we lose the run of ourselves Mm. sometimes we're like no but this thing and it's advances and it's and we kind of forget the humanity aspect Mm -hmm. that you know we kind of need relatively very little to be happy um and we do yeah we just do kind of lose the run of ourselves and i think that can I don't know. I don't know whether that's going to end well. Yeah, I know. And it's not yet. Yeah, you're so right about like needing relatively little to be happy. It's just that like it's that it's that purpose. Like mm. it's a purpose. So like, you know, is in the, like they often say that about like, you know, suicide rates and stuff. Again, obviously there's so much more going on mm. behind that like mental illness and and obvious things like that. But they do say that in like in communities where like life is super hard and th- like your little literal goal like it, it's not really our goal to survive because that's kind of a given for us yeah we've gone past that you know what i mean but in certain communities where like it is or like where it, like it genuinely is like a real struggle to put like bread on the table like that that's a real purpose day to day which is so good and healthy and like mental illness and i, I don't want to say mental illness because i don't know about that but like mm. i know like suicide rates are just down they're just lower in like mm. poorer working class communities than like middle class communities mm-hmm. that's a fact it's kind of crazy that yeah it's kind of interesting yeah when you look at it but if you think and if you think about it again like you know just even the time that we live in kind of modifies the way we think like it, i think there is a higher degree of ambition you know what i mean and stuff like that but because we see all of these things and the paths are open to us you know, not as many things feel as closed off now. Mm. So we think, oh, I can do that if I want to, or I can do that. But I also think that leads to our detriment as well, because that's that whole thing about, you know, having an existential crisis is that there are so many paths I want to go down. I don't know which one to choose, Mm. because if I choose that, then all of the others will close to me and I'm stuck with that one. And Mm -hmm. what if that's not the right choice? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And 100% and like, 
equally then you that's some, I don't know I'm sure you've experienced it potentially with like I certainly have with like friends who like that there's loads of choices they make a choice they're like no this is the thing I want to do mm. and then like that realization that well first of all it might be like really difficult second of all like and like I mean I've had this in my life I'm sure you've had it like you're just kind of like oh fuck like I actually maybe just like I'm in good enough for mm, this yeah. like really like basic bit silly example it's not what I'm talking about but like mm. every like pretty pretty much any young boy I'm, I'm sure in lots of cases girls who are you know are growing up playing football mm. eventually like it, when you, it's like your first little mini heartbreak you realise I'm not oh, going to be a professional footballer I, I'm actually not good enough like, yeah. uh, like there's no way I'm good enough and yeah. I probably never was good enough never had the potential to be good enough my body's not genetically designed well enough mm. And, and you eventually like get to a point when I don't know like I was probably late like 15 or 16 and I was like oh no I'm not gonna do this oh, no this isn't my thing yeah and like so, but like you can imagine then like that's difficult like especially in, in the kind of fields that we're in like uh, creative fields like a lot of people it's probably it's not like a footballer where you need to kind of have kind of almost made it by 16, 17, 18 mm. in fact a lot of time you don't even know you want to do it at that age mm. so that's like it's a very different kind of heartbreak that if that potentially happens then in your like late 20s, 30s, 40s whenever that happens and maybe then it can be an absolute like relief other times but it's, it's a really interesting thing yeah it's just confronting that realisation mm. I guess yeah I thought of that question remember off mic I said I couldn't remember the question yeah I remember it now yeah uh, to explain to the listeners <laughs> I was saying there's a question on here that I don't like which is um the one about a close call I just think it's a leading question I don't like it mm. and I, I, I was the new one I'll, I'll workshop it with you what do you think yeah yeah okay go for it I don't know the phrasing of it but um like something along the lines of, do you have a favorite quote? A favorite quote. I'm not asking you yet. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we're worked on it. Um, I don't. Yeah. It, it's a good a good question. It is. Like, it is. It's would a you thinker. have a quote? It's in, definitely a thinker. Okay, so you might need like a, a ten second like. Yeah. Okay, I'd say could, so to like delve in. Okay, that's all right. Yeah. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna just write it down here. Okay. Do you have it, have it there? Okay. Nice one. Right, we go for another spin. Yeah, go. For okay, it. deadly. <laughs> Uh, okay, number 16, do you have it? Nine. Number 16. Do you remember your first kiss? <laughs> yes. Uh, like, first prop, like, shift. Like, uh, or anything. Yeah, go for it. Well, yeah, yeah that is, it's an yeah, interesting it distinction, funny. isn't it? It is. I remember my first, like, anything, definitely not. I remember my first kiss, like, very well. Yeah, yeah, no, I remember my first proper kiss. Yeah. Uh, and it was awful. Well, yeah. Um, which what? I think it always kind of is. We're talking wet. Mine yeah, was super the wet. usual like uh, tumble dryer. Um, but it was also, it was I was quite a a late bloomer in mm. that regard. I was fifteen mm-hmm. when I uh, kissed somebody, and I gone through like two stints at Irish college and hadn't kissed anybody because I was just terrified. Yeah, terrified me. And uh, because you just overthink everything, like, and um, so the guy I kissed, <laughs> I'm not going to say his name, um, but he, it was kind of through a friend. My friend was uh, going out with his friend. Mm. And I think, uh, I remember, I, what I hate about it is that I think, I think, people kind of pitied me a bit that I hadn't kissed anybody yet and that really annoyed me yeah because I was like no don't f- fuck you you know um so I think it was an element of that and she I think she said it to her like boyfriend at the time she's like oh you know Hannah hasn't kissed anybody we should we should set her up with 
this person and I you know and we were like oh yeah whatever and you know it was said to that person and he was like yeah whatever and so it was uh, engineered and it was uh, engineered it, is such a bad word to it use was your first kiss. yeah it was <laughs> it was manufactured it was it was made in a factory yeah um and it was uh, so we walked uh, we walked up and I think we're like hello and then <laughs> it was like near a a, a kid's playground we probably didn't even say hello to be honest it was just like uh, like a nod yeah uh, yeah and it, everybody used to loiter around this playground uh, in the closest town to where I lived was a town called Clifton and we were in the playground and we wandered like away from the playground and like in within eye shot of the playground there was a helicopter landing pad. And that's when I had my first kiss. Hilarious. That we sat down in the helicopter landing pad and he just like launched on me. Wow. And uh, and went for it and it was really awful. Amazing. That, that uh, H is for Hannah. H is for Hannah. H is for helicopter pad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. H is for horrible. Well. Uh, yeah, but I remember, I remember having a... Like definitely a level of superiority then over my other friends who hadn't kissed anybody yet. It's like once you kiss someone, you're on that next level. You're like, oh yeah, you haven't you haven't kissed anybody. You oh, frigid fuck. Yeah, <laughs> sorry for you. And I think probably pretending a little bit that it was that it was better than it was. Oh, one hundred percent. And I think I did fancy him then after that. After we kissed, I was like, oh yeah, maybe I like you. Uh, but I don't think he was particularly interested at the time. Yeah, g- girl thought kisses are weird. Yeah, like, and I was I was a bit like that too as a as a, a kid, especially like I never like um, more so at discos. Like I I we used to go to discos and everyone you know like would have like nearly a list of like ridiculous numbers. Like people would kiss twenty people. Yeah, and in I, a night you'd I have races. Like never kissed anyone at a mm. disco ever. Not and not like. I was I was mainly too shy to ask, but I definitely remember some horrendous moments where I did kind of like do the thing that like other guys did, which I don't know what it was. It was some kind of like gesture, and or like, they ask my mate, or like would you shift my mate? One hundred percent, that yeah. kind of thing. And you know the way when you see someone like, and now as like an adult, I kind of get that like no one really knows what they're doing, but mm. like as a kid, you think like well, then you do the thing, you do the exact same thing that they do, but you just don't have that same like swagger or confidence, confidence and you yeah. look like a knobhead. Um, such a fine line. There's a balance that you can just tip over really easily. Definitely, it's amazing. I yeah. I had to. I went to the girl talked too, and it, I it was. I think my second kiss I had at the girl talked, mm-hmm. um, and we were caught by the principal. Mm. We and we were in the in the in the like the PE room, like so that with all the hockey sticks so and the you footballs. You wandered off from like you'd gone into like a secluded place. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, it was far Saucy. from helicopter pads. We were raised, <laughs> Hannah. No, but I and and so we went into the into the. So yeah, like in amongst all the fucking like sweaty bibs and all this yeah. nonsense, and um, she the principal walked in, Emer, I remember her name, <laughs> and Harry uh, Emer, yeah, Harry Emer, big fan of the show, yeah. and she went mental, like really mad, like you'd swear ah, we were, come on, like you'd swear like we were, like uh, there was a it. possibility of pregnancy. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and then like, marched us in front of the whole of Irish College. Oh my God! Pointed us to us and said, "These two will not be going to the Kaylee Moore because I found them breaking real Kuig, which was no kissing." That or was a rule. Real Kuig. Come on, you're at the Gwaeltook. That's all that's going to be happening. And like, that is literally all. Yeah. I know exactly. Like that's why I paid my like eight hundred euro. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, I'm gonna get that shit. Yeah, yeah. It's like the most expensive, like yeah, like escort service. Yeah. Um, and then made me ring my mum and explain what I did 
That Os- is Osperla. atrocious. <laughs> yeah, and I had to. My mum, like, first of all, because Emer uh, e- started the conversation like, uh, hello, Mrs. Moran, this is Emer, uh, whatever, Colin from um, the Gale Talk. Mm. Uh, uh, so, and like my, I think my mom was convinced that I died in a car crash or something. <laughs> like so, then then she put me. She's like, "Your son has something to say to you," or like something mad. What's and then I was just like, "Crazy woman." Yeah, I was just like, uh, "Mom, why like uh, kissed a girl?" <laughs> <It's> a girl. <laughs> She's like, okay. Yeah, I think if my dad had had my mom, she'd just been like, "So, like, wh- wh- what's the big deal?" Yeah, yeah. yeah that, like that, you did what you're supposed to do at the girl talk. You're yeah, a little what fucking a crazy. Woman. Crazy woman, but hey, crazy repressed woman. Shout out to Emer. Emer, sup? <laughs> right, let's see what happens. Number fifty-nine. Shall it? No. Fifty-nine. I feel like his number that has like never like simultaneously come out and been on someone's list. I have fifty-seven numbers. and twenty-nine. Okay. And they kind of Close. You know, work together. Fifty-nine. Uh, what is your relationship to your phone? My phone. Uh, I'd say it's standard enough. Yeah. I definitely use it a lot. Mm-hmm. It's definitely, um, but I don't. I I don't berate myself for it. Mm-hmm. I'm not like, oh, I'm on my phone all the time. I'm kind of like, yeah, that's just a part of life now. You know what I mean? It's mm. it's the same as, you know. I hate when people give out about technology stuff. You know, they have those like, you know. I remember there was like a mural somewhere, and then it was like, you know, get your head out of your phone. There's real life everywhere and stuff, and fuck off you know (laughs) like i'm still engaging with the world it's just like if it were 50 years ago everyone would have their head stuck in a newspaper it's the same thing Mm. i remember seeing two photos side by side and it was uh somebody giving out on twitter i think (laughs) which is you know the forum for giving out Mm -hmm. um and it was a load of people on a bus and everybody had their phone in their hand and everybody was looking at their phone and the person on twitter was like oh look at society now people just always try and bring it back to society like oh we're all so disconnected and blah 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 and then somebody pulled up a photo and it was like everybody in a bus and everybody's head was just in a newspaper it's the same fucking thing you mm. know what i mean mm. it's it's like it's just another way of imbibing information and it's just kind of a, a normal part of life now it's the way our lives run mm-hmm. is that's how it it kind of works so yeah i would like you know I kind of, I'd be scrolling through it sometimes. I don't have, uh, the thing that probably stops me a bit more is that I don't have like 3G. Mm-hmm. Uh, I rely on Wi-Fi all the time to look at anything on the internet, which just feels, I, I feel like I'm the only one in the world who does that. I feel like everybody's on 3G and I'm the one like trying to find a Wi-Fi spot somewhere. Um, So I don't do it when I'm out mm. and about really. But if I'm home, I'll be on my phone and sometimes I'll be watching something and I'll be on my phone. Yeah. Um, that's actually super interesting though, like in the sense that um, that's a really interesting, I feel like you're the first person to kind of take that like perspective on it. They're kind of like, nah, fuck it. It's grand. You don't like yeah. break. It's a, kind of refreshing. But it's also like, do you, and I wonder is that connected that you don't have, it's such a like the nitty gritty of like phones, not mm. what I intended, but like that you don't have 3G. So it's not something that's like constantly available to you. And I wonder like, because mm. sometimes I find that like I, I imagine that there's probably a direct proportion between the amount of time I spend on my phone to like my like levels sometimes of like kind of stress and anxiety. Mm. I think. Did you have any? It probably is a correlation, definitely. But I think. But I think you're right. What you said makes a lot of sense to me. I think you're right. Yeah, I think I think I'd be stressed about something else if it wasn't that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I think something would be raising my anxiety and stress levels, regardless of whether it was something I was seeing on my phone. Mm-hmm it'd be something that was going through my head. You know what I mean? I think I think that's there anyway. Yeah. Um, which it is. 
Um, yeah. It's interesting. Like, I think was something. It's weird because sometimes I'll see like, and you're right. Twitter's like such a good example because you'll see something, and Twitter's like generally just a lot of people's opinions, mm. and you know, don't always agree with them. And like, it's weird. Like to, it's probably a really good exercise that I don't do to try and just like disconnect myself more from that. Because you'll see, I'm just trying to think what's like. Okay, you're gonna see a shit ton of stuff about Trump, mm. a lot of stuff about McGregor. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're gonna see like probably that the both of them are, you know, racist, misogynist or something. Yeah. They cluster fucking in a corner somewhere. Yeah, they, yeah. they and they, they might be, they might not be. I, I don't know, but yeah, it's just like, like somebody killed a baby. Uh. You know, and like they're all you, you kind of expected to have an opinion about everything, and you're just like, fuck, my, I don't think my brain is meant to have an opinion about all this stuff I that know. really has no. I don't. I just don't know how much space we have to like worry about all that stuff. Yeah, it's like it's hard. It's it's definitely hard for uh, your brain to process it all. I think. I think there are so many things to worry about, mm. and a lot of those can be things that you are in your control and majority of them are out of your control um and i sound like i'm being very like balanced and you know like hey things are out of your control you don't mm. i worry about everything like yeah. i worry about fucking everything yeah um so that's not to say that 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 isn't affecting it 100 is mm. but i think um I think if you're aware of that, I think if you're aware that that you have a propensity to worry about stuff like that mm. a little bit more, um, then you can kind of, you know, you see that stuff. If I see that stuff on my Twitter feed, I kind of just keep scrolling until I see something else. Mm. You know what I mean? Like rather than, and I, you know, that's not to say that's all the time. Sometimes you do want to engage with things, and sometimes you do want to go. No, you know what? This has to make me angry for a reason because, you know, this stuff can't just go floating away. Like, we have to be aware of what's going on. But I think at the same time, you have to be aware of yourself and how much you can take. Um, I find it, uh, not so much Twitter, maybe sometimes Twitter. I find it good going on the internet sometimes, especially with something like Instagram or uh, Tumblr occasionally just um for inspiration for writing stuff Mm. um especially images uh i find um images on tumblr or instagram or pinterest or something like that uh are incredibly evocative Mm -hmm. and if i'm feeling a bit stuck for inspiration for something i find it really handy to go on something like that and go oh look that's a weird image of like a rabbit in a bath what does that make me feel and do I want to write something about a rabbit in a bath? Mm. You, know, you know what I mean? That yeah. Kind of thing. All right, that's interesting because I'm, I'm like familiar with your work but not actually so much. I'm familiar, I've seen you on stage but I actually mm. haven't seen much of your own work that you've created yet. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to see your show coming up in the fringe. Thanks. Uh, so, but what kind of like, um, what kind of like place like do you create from or what kind of voice do you like think that you have if that's not an awful question? Um, I think it kind of comes from a place the way I write, uh, I I write and I I write things that are quite dark mm. uh, and maybe a little bit weird. And there's humor in them sometimes, but I write not with the humor in the back of my brain. I just kind of write something that uh, I feel is like um, an odd image or an odd situation. And I find the humor can come from that oddness a bit. Um, so I would be very influenced by stuff like um, 
have you ever seen any Don Hertzfeldt stuff? No. Don Hertzfeldt is this animator and he's, he uh, has made these films. He, he made a, a short that was nominated for an Oscar mm. a couple of years ago called Rejected. And his stuff is just insane. It's like manic uh, and it's bizarre. But at the bottom of it all, it's all really deeply felt. And it kind of, it's that stuff that you can watch. And it's stuff that I think is um, really amazing with a lot of animation now. Animation is amazing because you can do anything. Mm. You can create anything. Um, anything that is in the realms of your imagination. So there's so much scope there for exploring different things. And then um, kind of almost tricking your audience a little bit into feeling something that they didn't think they were going to feel. Mm. Because they're like, oh, this is a weird thing. It's really funny. And then it's grounded in feeling. And then they're like, oh, God, I didn't think I'd feel that thing. Um, so Don Hertzfeldt is very good at that. And he made this thing called Rejected. And it was kind of like this vignette thing of like uh, loads of rejected ads he'd made. And they're all really basic, like, stick figure uh, characters who kind of come out and, like, say something weird. And then he made uh, he made three shorts, um, kind of a year apart. Mm. And then the three shorts culminated together to make a feature called It's Such a Beautiful Day, which I would highly recommend anybody to watch. Mm. And it's about this character called Bill, um, who's just this, like, little stick figure who wanders around and Bill is kind of losing his mind a little bit um, and going in and out of this bizarre like flux of reality and unreality and it's so funny and it's really weird and then it's devastatingly sad Um, it's that kind of thing that like jumps up in you and then you're just in floods of tears mm-hmm. so stuff like that uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um. That's the, the kind of st- whether that's the stuff I make or not. That is the stuff that I'd like to make. Yes, is is stuff that is uh, weird and funny, and then uh, full of feelings that you didn't realize that you were going to feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one hundred percent. And so, like, because I've seen we were talking about Kira Smith's play, which mm-hmm. also come up in the fringe, and I saw you yeah. in the rehearsal reading uh, for that, honey. which was yeah, which was great, and um, and you're great in it. Yeah. And so, uh, uh, like, do you describe yourself? Not that you why, why, why am I trying to limit you? I'll finish the question. Do you <laughs> do describe it, yourself as, as a comedian, an actress? Or um, how do you do it? Yeah, all of them mm-hmm. kind of. Uh, if It's a funny one because you don't, you don't want to call yourself something. I don't think you should call yourself something if you haven't had ample, uh, an ample amount of, not success, but experience in something. Yeah. I don't think you should be able to call yourself a comedian if you haven't done a good bit of comedy and I don't think I've done that much comedy I I started doing stand-up about a year ago Mm. uh, sporadically and I kind of I go through phases with the different things that I do basically because I learned that it was something I had to do a bit was um, that I felt like being pigeonholed into one thing you were just going to be waiting around for a phone to ring yeah um, and I think that's so unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was something that was fueled by when I came out of college, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm. And I uh, I just kind of by chance decided to do an acting course. And I did that for a year. And uh, while I was doing that, it was very much like, I'm going to be an actor. Mm. This is what I'm going to do. It is going to be my craft and blah, blah, blah. 
um which is not to say that that is you know uh, a thing um and but then i found very disillusioned with coming out of that and and like that waiting for a phone to ring for mm. a part and i was like i can't just do this yeah and it and it wasn't you know at the end of the day it wasn't something that i i just wanted to do anyway there was lots of different things that i wanted to do all related mm-hmm. um and in and around that year i i started writing uh, scripts for um a, a production company in dublin sitcom scripts mm. so that kind of that kind of started off the writing mm. a little bit and also the the comedy element i guess and then uh and then it was kind of i found myself doing more roles that were more comedically aligned yeah um and i went to one of them was a sketch show called chaos theory we went to edinburgh with that and uh, it was very tough and then i remember kind of coming back from that and going okay i've done that now i want to pour all of that energy that you take doing a show into something that i've created myself mm-hmm. um so then i kind of started focusing on on uh writing something for myself to do which kind of amalgamated all of those things yeah um so yes yeah, so it's i would say that um the things i would like to do are like a mix of comedy and writing and acting mm. Yeah, they're kind of interesting. Like it's because that's kind of really super similar to what my how I would describe myself, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a it's a really interesting thing because like you know to I I actually like I kind of I agree with you in one hand and disagree in one hand mm. about the I think I mainly agree. <laughs> we'll work it out. Yeah, yeah. Like Shout about yeah. So like <laughs> the the interesting thing about all those things is to be a comedian, which is something that I've dabbled in. I don't think I'm a I don't know. Like, I find... I think you probably could relate. Like, I find, like, the wonderful thing about comedy is, like, I love to make people laugh and I think it's amazing. Mm-hmm. The wonder, the awful thing I find about comedy is, like, there's a pressure to have to make people laugh. So yeah, that's kind of your job. It's kind of your job, mm-hmm. which is totally fine. And I have, like, my... my I have, like, a wall of, like... It's kind of it's cringy, but I have a wall of, like, people who I really admire. Mm. It's mainly filled with comedians. Like, I love comedians so much. But, like, uh, when I do it, there's something about it, like, the pressure to and it's not even a pressure to have to make people laugh it's a pressure to have to be funny because sometimes the wonderful and I think when you get to maybe maybe it's actually unfair because I know like I'm friends with comedians and and some of them who are just like like virtuoso good at what they do and they can kind of go out and be whatever they want to be in that day and Mm. it will translate and like be even if it's not always funny it's super interesting Mm. do you know what I mean like it's a but the thing about like comedy and writing and acting what's difficult about acting is someone has to get like someone has to kind of give you acting you know what you said you're waiting on a call yeah that's it what's great about writing is if you want to be a writer write you're a writer if mm. you want to be a comedian it, it it's easier to get up and, and do comedy because there's less gatekeepers I think it it, it is it, it is easier Um, the only difficult thing is just being funny exactly that's it. which is super difficult yeah not to take it out. and I think that's the thing what I felt about when I've done comedy I've probably done like about 12 stand-up gigs so like not enough and like all kind of you know like open mic-y mm-hmm. stuff so um, but the thing I felt about it like I, I like love acting and I love writing and I'm really willing to like struggle for them and like mm. have all that rejection just the hard work and like getting up and writing doing all the things that you mm-hmm. have to do and you don't mind doing and I just didn't feel like I had that willingness to struggle with comedy that, yeah. you know it's interesting it is and I, I, I completely understand you in that aspect of like 
with all of those things, there is an element of struggle mm. that you have to put in. And it can be hard spreading that struggle over three things. Mm-hmm. Because then you're just constantly struggling. Right. Um, but it is like that, that difference between comedy and acting. Comedy is very much merit based. Mm-hmm. Like you're either funny or you're not. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say you, you can't have bum gigs. I've had bum gigs, mm-hmm. 100%. And sometimes, like, I've had, like, two or three gigs that have kind of been a bit shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but as as long as fundamentally you are getting up there and making people laugh and people are seeing that, then, y- you know, you can take along in that regard. Mm. Acting is not so... It is merit-based in, in one sense, but it's also based on so many other factors. Mm. And it's based on... You know, it's based on factors how you look, um, how you fit into something. It's also a little bit based on how you how, who you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's harder to break into, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Um, but I found that that if you just keep doing things yourself, it is a harder path to go down. But if you're making your own things and you're doing your own thing, inevitably. I think you will come to the same road with that stuff where where people will recognize that. Yeah, 100%. And like one of the things I've been thinking about lately is it's like what makes uh what kind of makes the better story? Mm. You know what I mean? Like what like cuz what you say is so true about like in and I think that's the that's the challenging thing about acting cuz it's it's really hard it's almost impossible to just act you need like that's what's really empowering about being like a writer who acts is like you can actually write yourself something to act mm-hmm. i have some friends who have just no interest in writing who are actors and i would i if i would find that super difficult and super i would, struggle, I yeah. would really struggle mm-hmm. um even just even like and i like work commercially but even just like as a in those down times like they actually kind of feel like the same thing to me acting and writing and, and comedy kind of they kind of all feel like they all come from the same place it's yeah it's it's what your perception of comedy is mm-hmm. really because comedy doesn't just have to be stand up no you know what I mean at all um, mm-hmm. and a lot of the people who I would look up to and respect are people who uh, amalgamate all of those things and it, it kind of just comes down to your style mm in all of those things so what your style of comedy is what your style of acting is and what your style of writing is and how those things can work together to make one whole thing mm-hmm. that that projects your style mm. basically because because your style is the same for all of them and you just have to figure out how to do each of them in your own particular style yeah yeah 100% it, yeah it's like it, it is really it's really like, have you noticed that over time where, you know, like, I know, like, comedically and as a writer, I think it would be the same, like, the phrase people would use it just, like, finding your voice. Mm. Like, do you, have you noticed, like, an evolution of that or, or have you always been pretty kind of just sure of, like, this is my voice, this is who I am and this is what I have to say? Not at all. I think, you know, I, I feel like I have a better idea of it now, but I still don't know completely. Mm. Um, I know the I know aspects of it, um, but I think it can only come in uh, experience and in just creating. And maybe the first thing you do is not exactly what you want, like it didn't reach that point. But then the next thing you do, you know, learns from that, 
you know, maybe you don't make your great piece of work until you've done these things like five times in a row. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Maybe you don't pinpoint it all uh, and distill it all for a while because I think I think it does take time. Um, and I think the most frustrating thing is when you're at the beginning of that and you don't know it all mm. and you're just like flailing in that. It's it's easier when you start figuring out, out bits, you know, and you go, oh, I really like that or I really like how dark that is mm -hmm. or and, and, and those things can sit in you and feel right. Mm. Then then you can kind of go on and, and hone it a bit more. But the beginning is really fucking hard. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And then it, it's weird because, like, you know, in it, fingers crossed, in, like, 10 years' time, you'll look back on today and you're like, oh my God, I was right in the middle of the beginning. Like, yeah, <laughs> You know what it. I mean? Yeah. It's interesting just how, like, your perspective, like, shifts. Completely. It's so weird looking back on stuff sometimes. And, and, and I also... It's weird looking back on writing and going, oh, like, I look back on, on, like, maybe one of the first sitcoms I wrote and I was like, oh, God, I just feel so, like, basic or something. And I can see that I, I hadn't... I didn't know what I wanted to do yet really you know mm. it was a bit like taking influence from loads of different stuff which you have to do anyway sure. it, ha it has to like um, but but too much of that was there and not enough of me mm. um, and what do you, do you mind me asking about that little bit the sitcoms that's just it's super yeah. like what so so yeah how did you because it's something that I'm I'm kind of like in the middle of doing at the moment and like mm. really interested so did you have an idea get in touch with a, a company or was it vice versa or did you do a pilot episode or do like six in a row how did it work for you it was um, the production company at the time had put out a call mm. for scripts and um, so I submitted like a pilot script and the first one was called This Is It and it was about um it was about like three friends. It was like basic sitcom premise, yeah. essentially. It was about two girls who were who were best friends and had kind of come out of college um, and didn't really know what they were doing. And they met this other guy and the three of them move into a house together. So that was the basic setup. Mm -hmm. And it was something that I wrote, not necessarily because uh, I 100% wanted to write it, but I knew that it would potentially get me in the door. Mm. Um, so so I wrote it and submitted it, and um, and then the production company got in contact, and they chose, um, I think it was six scripts, and then they kind of workshopped those six scripts, and then they um, narrowed it down to three, and then uh, they kind of uh, workshopped those three scripts again. So I was working on it for about a year, mm. like draft after draft. I think I did about maybe 15 drafts, mm -hmm. um, which was really frustrating. Mm. But I think it's part and parcel. Yeah. It's necessary. Um, and that was it. And then and then it, it was basically as a mode to, to hone it to its state and then put it out there. So send it to... Um, send it to uh you know other channels and stuff like that yeah and then um the second one i wrote was with the same company and it was i don't think it really had a name it was a it, it was basically more something that i wanted to write mm. uh, and it was about spirit animals whoa yeah interesting and it was um it was the idea that spirit animals were like a new fad so like um, everybody had a spirit animal, 
basically who like told them what to do and mentored them in their life. Mm. And there was one girl who uh, really hated spirit animals and uh, thought they were bullshit (laughs) and then ended up going home to her family house and having to live with a spirit animal that her mom had taken on. And it was about their relationship and the dynamic between them, basically. Um, And they hate each other. Interesting. So it was a bit mad. That's super like original. Yeah, it was it was mental. Um and it was almost like the other side of the scale. So the first one was like really like run of the mill. Yeah. And this one was like insanely madcap. Mm. So there kind of needs to be something a little bit in the middle, sure. I think. Yeah. Uh, especially because nobody's gonna take on an insanely madcap like what I was seeing was the spirit animals were humans dressed in like cat costumes mm. and stuff. So it was like nuts. Uh and nobody's gonna take that on from somebody they don't know anything about. Right. That's like Tim Burton like forty yeah, years into like, a career. How can we trust this? Right, exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um one hundred percent. So so that that those were the two, basically. Uh I wrote two. Um and now I kinda just need to sit down and write a yeah, well, that's that that has been influenced by the other two. Yeah, basically. very cool. But like it, yeah, it is it is it is amazing. Like how, yeah, it is so funny when you look back on like any kind of idea mm. and like oh man, I have this book of um, <laughs> I have this book of uh, I when I was younger, like the first kind of like creative thing I would have done was I was in a band mm. as a teenager, and we were actually like you know for like a teenage band we were actually quite good, mm. um, and we recorded like you know we wrote a shit ton of songs like we recorded, uh you know, like two albums and to be fair, they're like ten songs each and we had other stuff as us. We probably like I probably wrote like twenty or like thirty songs I would say before like about twenty five, thirty songs before I was like eighteen, right? Mm. And but I have this lyric copy and it like it's it's so crinkled. It's very like it it, it it's lived, you know. Yeah, it's and been through the ages. It's been through time. the ages and like but it's kind of crazy. Like, God, it's kind of mad. Like, one of the like Is it really is it full of emotions? Full really of emotions. Like, like, like there's one girl who there's like 12 songs written about <laughs> do you know what I mean yeah yeah and like, like I love you so much like it's probably like a song for every like 10 days I knew her do you yeah, know what I mean like yeah. absolutely bonkers mm. but it is just it is amazing when you just well, you just back. feel so much at that age like yeah. you feel so much I have a diary at home that I wrote between the ages of like 12 and uh, 16 sporadically mm. and it is the cringiest thing in the world mm. it's just it's everything's so intense and emotions are so intense and feelings and like it's it, everything's like the super high end of the scale. Mm. You know what I mean? That you look back and you're like, whoa, yeah, chill the fuck out. Yeah, yeah, it's mad. Like, I, I, yeah, and then like, as it, maybe like maybe that's the way. Like you're experiencing everything with such vigor. Mm. Like I wonder, could like ha- you're kind of experiencing everything for the first time. Yeah, you know, you're like. You don't know what that's like yet, so it just hits you. You feel it so much. You that's know? such a good point, right? Because that's a great point. Like, and because there's some things that you only feel. Okay, this is probably so obvious to everyone <laughs> else, but like, I, you, I just had a breakthrough. <laughs> yeah. That like, that's why like things like, like losing someone, like grief, like or mm. like heartbreak, are so difficult because touch wood, it doesn't happen that often in your life. No. How many times do you get heartbroken? Like, it. some people probably never do. Some mm. people maybe like seven times that's a lot like i don't know it's probably for everyone else is like somewhere in the middle yeah you know what i mean like how many like people do you lose that like you're super close to mm. again like there's there's a def- definite scale but like in my life like probably like two so far you know what i mean like so when it happens like it's like fuck you're just not used to it no your your body doesn't know how to cope with that kind of thing your body and your mind i mean yeah. they're both so connected that uh i think you 
yeah, it's you don't know. It's like something saying something like, if you win the lotto, you don't know how you're going to react to that. You know what I mean? You're like, mm-hmm. oh, I wonder how. It's the same with something like that, that you don't know how your body's going to react because you've never experienced it. Mm. And uh, it can be mental. It can be it can be mental what our bodies can do and how much something like that can affect you. Yeah, I think. 100%. Like, even, even like, talking about things that your body's not meant to, like, even sometimes, you know, I don't, I'm trying to think of someone... Like someone who is, is like super famous, like I mean, mm-hmm. like an obvious like example is someone like Justin Bieber, or something who happened like at a mm-hmm. super early age, and like yeah, and sometimes you just like have empathy for them. Like you're like, there's not like humans aren't meant to be under that level of scrutiny. No, well, you look at somebody like Michael Jackson, who was a child star, and he never had a, a childhood. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, it's not it's not particularly natural. Is it something that you ever? I'm not talking Michael Jackson level. Well, who am I to limit you? But like, <laughs> is it something you ever think about if you you know if because like be, being famous as a creative person is such a weird thing because obviously f- for most people it's certainly not the reason that you do it however it, it can kind of weirdly represent like uh success and the fact that like people connect with your work potentially mm-hmm. is it something that you think about or have an opinion on if it were to happen to you i feel like if we're if it were ever a byproduct of things i was doing i feel like um i feel like if you've you've kind of put in the slog mm-hmm. and done the really hard work and done the stuff that like kills your soul or you know the, the stuff that you feel really anxious about and you've done it anyway and you've kind of gotten through those things I I don't know how again we don't know because uh, you don't know something until it happens to you mm. But I don't know how it could um, change you into a different person. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I feel like maybe if it were thrown upon you, mm. if if you like say that thing one day, you come out of acting college and you get the role of a lifetime, and you're in like like a Ridley Scott movie. You know what I mean? Uh, I feel like that could be something that because you're jolted into that so quickly. I feel like another any other path where you are making those logical steps and you were doing this and then getting to the next step and doing this and getting to the next step it's like walking up a ladder so when you get to the top of that ladder if you get to the top of that ladder you know all of the steps you've gone up along the way so it's not a surprise when you get up there you mm. know i mean it's it's not something that feels different mm. uh it's like it's like when you see somebody maybe you haven't seen somebody for a long time and uh they look older like somebody who's a bit older for example and say you haven't seen them for like months and months and months and Mm. then you see them and you're like oh god they look older you know you can really see that or somebody you haven't seen in a long time yeah no that it's that like kind of just um thing that if if you've been away from it you you haven't processed it whereas if you see them say every week or every couple of days you don't notice that right so i think it's a similar thing yeah yeah and it's interesting like you know, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a good point about, like, what the thing... So if there's a Ridley Scott movie, well, first of all, well done, you're in a Ridley Scott movie. Mm. But, like, is that something you're genuinely actually, like, deep down in your heart, like, super proud of? Like, is it something that you can actually, like, really stand over? You really... W- not in that, it feels weird to go, have you really worked for that? You know what I mean? Yeah. But, 
but I know what you mean. But like, is in like, let's just right. It's a it's a bad example because it doesn't really happen from like theater shows. Let's just say the egg is a lonely hunter, right? Mm. Um, let's just say like that like blows up and suddenly like you're on billboards everywhere, mm. right? Like, but at least like yeah, as you said, you sat down for like hundreds of hours and crafted and written mm. this thing. Like, the, I yeah, I guess it comes down to like struggle is actually like important. I really think it is. Yeah, I think nobody wants to do it. Nobody wants to struggle. I don't want to struggle. Like, but at the end of the day, it is necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And struggle is a weird word too, because it's it's not necessarily a, a struggle because you know a lot of people struggle with things that are far worse. Right. Um. But it's slog. You know what I mean? It's yeah. a slog. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like wading through mud. Hmm. But yeah, it's yeah, it's all part of it. Mm. Right, we go for another spin. Let's do it. Okay, let's see, I'm enjoying our chat. Yes. It's good to meet you. Yeah. Fifty-eight. No, I fifty-seven. Man, you're in danger of whitewashing. We've got about fifteen minutes left. Come on, let's get your number. Okay. Come yeah. on, cop on yourself. <laughs> one Jesus. What? What was that? Fifty-eight. Fifty-eight. Okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, this is. I think this is a brand new question. Um, mm. if you were to have a child, would you bring them up with a religion? No. No. Decisive. No. You heathen. Yeah. No. Yeah. You an atheist? Uh, yes, I was raised an atheist. I was never baptized. Really? Um, In the hills of Connemara. Mm, Madness. Uh, I was never baptized. I never made my communion. I never made confirmation. Anything like that. Wow. Uh, I had a humanist uh, baptism ceremony. Wow. Yeah. Super, super hipster. Because that's a big thing now, I think, is humanist ceremonies. Yeah. Um. Yeah, my parents, my dad is an atheist. Mm. And... Um. So is my mom to a certain extent. My mom was raised uh, a Catholic, so she would have been baptized and made her communion and confirmation and all that. Um, And mom was born and grew up in Dublin. That's where she lived. Um, So she would have been for, you know, a a good portion of her life. And then I think in her 20s, it was like, this isn't something I necessarily believe in that much. Right. and then my dad, my dad is from America. He's from the States. Okay. S- and he was, he wasn't raised with any religion. Mm. So he never had that. Um, and then I think when my parents met, they were both at a stage where my dad had never been religious. And then my mom was at a stage where she wasn't. Mm. So I don't think it was anything that ever crossed their mind that it would be. I know a lot of people um, do it to get their kids into a good school. Sure. Um, and I was born in Dublin and I, I was here till I was seven. So the school that I went to was uh, St. Killian's. It was like um, it was like a um, mixed school. It was like a German school, oh. basically. Um, and so that wasn't really relevant. But um, yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that I am a complete atheist. I don't think I don't believe in anything. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I believe in. Yeah. There's something, but I don't know what it is. Sure. Uh, I think I would really love to believe, I would really love to believe in Buddhism. I would love to believe that we are reincarnated and we go and live another life. That is what I would choose. I don't necessarily believe that that's real. Gotcha. But I'd like if it was. Can I ask you an embarrassing question from my point of view? Absolutely. That it would pop into my head the minute you spoke. Yeah. Uh, have you ever, for a second, even like, just when you said when when you said you weren't baptized, mm. have you ever for a second been like, 
oh fuck like I'm not going to heaven have you ever thought about heaven or hell or anything like that even for a second potentially when I was a kid right because that is still kind of instilled in you a little bit sure um I remember just being annoyed that uh, I didn't. All my friends got loads of money for their communion. Yeah, and I was just sitting there like a spare prick. Yeah. Um. And I, I like, I went along, and I, I wore a dress, and I think I wore a black dress. <laughs> <laughs> Little devil child in the yeah, corner. <laughs> it was like a black and white checkered dress or something, and. Uh, <laughs> So I went along for all the festivities and stuff and I think a couple of people maybe took a little bit of pity on me and like gave me like a two euro coin or something or would have been euros at that time. They had a collection for you. Um, Yeah. Uh, And then the same with confirmation. I think I was a little bit more aware then and I was like, fuck this. Like I want stuff, Mm. you know. Um, So that was a bit annoying. And then the secondary school that I went to was uh, a school run by nuns. Um, but it was kind of one of the few schools in the area. There were two schools. There was a mixed school in Clifton, and then there was uh, Calmore Abbey, which was an all-girls school. And did you go to school in Calmore Abbey? Yeah, it's so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, uh, I, I took this photo was, there, and it was just where the like the castle, castle in the lake is. Oh, yeah. and the reflection. I'm sure yeah. like everyone has that one. Has that photo, but like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I yeah, am a like, genius. I'm loving it. Yes. Um. Yeah. Well, it it was a very odd school to go to. Hmm. Um, is it haunted or anything? Probably a little bit. Yeah. Uh, the school part wasn't in the castle. Right. It was like a bit kind of behind it. It was a bit prefabby, like it was a bit shit. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then there was some things that you'd do in the castle, but the castle was mainly just for tourists. Like we were just surrounded by tourists all the time. Yeah. And constantly people taking our photos and stuff. It was bizarre. And um, But... They closed the school down when I was in a second year. When I was in second year, they made an announcement. They were like, we're going to close the school down, but we're going to start phasing out. So when I was in sixth year, there were only fifth years behind us mm. in the school. There was nobody else. So there were 28 of us in the whole school. That was it. Whoa. Um, There were nearly more teachers than there were students. Oh, gosh. Um, So it was really bizarre. And we kind of just had the run of the place a little bit. Um, yeah yeah it's a good place to have the run of it was yeah it was gas man amazing yeah right cool let's try to get your number okay yeah yeah uh okay number nine do you have that no oh man okay number nine question is in your industry do you have a person that you'd love to work with Ooh. um can is it like a a logical person that i could potentially work with or, or like a like a dream person uh uh, no, yeah, go for it. Go, go big. Uh, I, I really, really love and admire uh, Jenny Slate. Do you know Jenny yeah, Slate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love her so much. I love her so much. She is like the epitome of all of those things that I want to do, mm-hmm. which is like that combination of comedy and acting and writing. Yeah. Um, and I think she's just amazing. And uh, yeah. I'd either like to be her or work with her. Yeah, I know. One of those. It's funny. I don't know. Do you find this? I like find myself constantly looking uh, to like the States and LA. I, I don't know. I just feel like there's more of a culture of the thing that I would love to do there than there is here. Like, it's, it, I think there's a lot more quirky comedy. Mm. Like I really hate that word quirky. Um, But it, it's more oddball and it's not necessarily. Um, I think Ireland is quite uh, big in terms of club comedy. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, I think comedy in Ireland is very synonymous with like a certain 
like culture type of, of comedian. Yeah, and I think that's to do with like its relationship with alcohol. I think and like yeah, yeah. I, like if I think of like a night going to see comedy, I do think of like pints. Everyone in a with pub that. drinking pints. Um, I do. Yeah, I think it is starting to change a bit more. I think there's a bit more alternative comedy, and there's a lot more alter- alternative comedy nights. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of starting to leak through, but definitely in places like New York and LA. Um, a lot of the stuff you'd see on the TV, a lot of Saturday Night Live stuff, um, stuff like Wet Hot American Summer, all of that, all of those people like Amy Poehler and you know Sarah Silverman and, and all of those, they wouldn't be club comics. They would be alternative comics mm. over there, and they would have come out of an alternative comedy scene, like you know doing improv and stuff like that. So, so it, there is more of a fuel toward that over there. I yeah, think. yeah, it's interesting. But like I. I there's loads of things that like I, I kind of from like our perspective let's say like we kind of hope that like you know trickle over because America's normally like leading the way in terms of like entertainment industry because of mm. Hollywood etc but like even in terms of like I've said it before in this like you look at podcasts over there they're like a massive industry whereas here they're very much something that's like a growing thing but starting yeah. off yeah, yeah. Um, I so think we're always a couple of steps behind but we do get there we'll get there yeah yeah it's interesting yeah. right cool let's let's try to get you okay, one okay, okay. this is this is probably our last one uh, no no Let, let's do you want to do you want to roll it, it. You do it towards yourself whoa it was aggressive <laughs> whoa there you go, there we go. okay was, uh, number what is it? 15 no oh, <laughs> i didn't get any numbers you whitewashed has anyone ever not got any numbers yeah 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 you're not special <laughs> Yeah, but it's, it's a terrible omen for your fringe show, man. Fucking is. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, oh, right. Well, we're, we're ending on an even worse omen, potentially. What are your memories of 9-11? <laughs> Happy fringe. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I remember that I was in primary school. Mm. And uh, I don't think they told us in primary school. Like, I think it happened maybe midway through the class or something but I don't think it was something you were going to announce to you know what age what was I at the time 10 it was 2001 I yeah. was 10 yeah Um. yeah 10 mm. Um. so it's not something you're going to announce to a bunch of 10 year olds like a load of planes have crashed into the tower and people are dying like yeah. and so I didn't find out until I think I remember all of the parents coming to collect everyone and everyone was a, the, there was a manic energy about all of the parents collecting their kids and I think that was it. And I remember my mom picking me up and we got in the car and I, I remember her just immediately switching on the radio to hear what was happening. Um, and then got home and the TV was on. My parents were just glued to it. And I don't... Like, I definitely had a concept of what was going on, but I don't... Th- I don't remember um, being overly affected by it. Mm. I think I remember going, oh, I, something's happening but I don't remember feeling like it was like this really traumatic thing at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, afterwards, you know, it was horrible. But I think at the time, yeah, not n- like I think I don't think it really affected me. Really? Yeah. 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 Intr- yeah. I think it. I think it affected me. Maybe I'm being playing the victim here. I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think so. I was really interested. I went to. Um, I lived in the states for a year uh, during college. Went to. Uh, um, to Chicago, mm. and um, as kind of part of like our like actor training, like two of us got to go, and it was really cool. But I took this amazing class over there. I'd say you would have loved it. It's called solo performance, and mm. it was like the first time I got to combine like acting with writing, and it was this gorgeous marriage of like um, pr- like a very similar like format to stand up, but it 
took away that pressure to be funny because it was like whatever you wanted it could be very mm. uh, it could be anything it was really but I did this piece uh, we were given like prompts every week like so it could be like prompt to be like mom or a historical event something bigger than you a rant it could be anything but and you have to write something you on have it to write like a five minute piece about okay, that yeah. uh, and it could be like movement based it could be words I was always quite like wordy like mm. but it could be anything it was amazing class but the most amazing woman she kind of like inspired me to this day Stephanie Shaw she's incredible mm. anyway um, and our piece was there uh, called uh, a historical a historical person, and I wrote this piece called the Falling Man, and it was about I don't know do you know that picture, but it's about the dude who jumped mm. out with a suitcase, and yeah. it's that amazing picture where he's just he's just like almost yeah yeah like upside up down kind of frozen in the air. Yeah. It's uh, haunting, yeah. but like really so like visceral, so visceral, and um, you know, I, and I was trying to think of a histor- historical person, and I. Uh, I'm I'm not like I'm I'm interested in history. I'm not a massive history, but and that was just mm. someone who's like well, that counts. Stuck with you, yeah. And I uh, did, but like the Americans were so like, it, it, like not gonna lie, it was quite a good piece, and it was quite um, it was it was actually quite funny. But like you know that thing of like if you, you know like the best way to make them cry is to make them laugh kind of thing. It was mm. that thing of like you know it was just basically the whole piece was a piece where it was just asking questions like. Uh, like I'm trying to think of anything now. Like, uh, it it would be really mundane. Like, I wonder when, uh, I wonder when the falling man last clipped his toenails. Like, I wonder mm. when. Bringing back to the humanity of it. A little just bit, like yeah. yeah, like humanizing this person that mm. was never humanized. And but then it, it could also be like it would it, then you know there'd also be something that would just be kind of funny because of how human it was. Given mm-hmm. the anyway, but the American like and it was you know it was a, it was a, it was a good piece, but they were just so blown away more so than like the quality of the piece just by the fact that like Contact. someone from you know a different continent mm. grew up like four or five thousand miles away. That stuff was still ingrained. Yeah, cared, yeah. and I was like, because however much it would have affected you to a less extent, maybe me to a slightly more extent. Who knows? Imagine being in America, like that. I, I can only imagine it must have been a very tangible fear. Definitely, that, that and day. I, I, and just the aftermath of that as well. Just, just the tension that would be underlying, and and the feeling of of ill will, and you know, also, I mean. A lot of things, a lot of people banded together and a lot of people helped a lot. I mean, there was there was a sense of hope as well, I think, mm. in terms of like people helping. But but definitely it would have been a, a horrible feeling, you know, in the air, I'd say for a while that just kind of seeped through. 100 percent. Yeah, it's kind of. um, Yeah. What a weird way what to like. What a note to end what on. What a weird way Jesus to end it God. on. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, yeah. Uh, my friend's show opens on September the 11th. <laughs> so, so no matter how badly it goes, it will not be the worst thing to ever happen on September 11th. No. Well, we say that in hope. Yeah, come on. Uh, we don't yeah, we don't know. We don't know. Let's be real. Uh, okay, do me a favor. Tell us all about your show and where people can find you online. Uh, the show is called The Eggs Alone Lonely Hunter. And it starts on the 13th, Wednesday the 13th of September and runs till Sunday the 17th. And it's on at 1.15 in the day. It's like a lunchtime slot. And then it's on at 2pm on the Saturday. But every other day is 1.15. Nice. Um, and the show itself is about a girl called Sophie and she works in a shop and she has an irrational fear of eggs. And one day in the town that she lives in, a black hole appears and everybody thinks it's a pervert. And uh, she kind of goes on this journey of uh, self-discovery with it. 
that's a really good sell. <laughs> good. If I wasn't going already, I'm going. Now. <laughs> I mean, did the perverts get you in there? Yeah, he? yeah, you did. Yeah, hint of pervert. Yeah, um, I fell into his black hole. That's it. <laughs> God, oh no. At least uh, at the end, no, no one's no, listening. No. <laughs> no, no, no. Everybody's faded away by now. Uh, um, online. Online. Uh, my Twitter is. I think it's. Uh, I think it, I think I know Han-T-Mam. it. Han T Mam. 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 Yeah, because it's Hannah Mamless. And my middle name is Tucker, so it's Han T Mam. Nice. Tucker's a good name, by the way. Yeah, it's a good it's a good double barrel name. Tucker yeah. Mamless. Is that the American s- No, that's my mom's second name yeah, and I then Mamless and more American. Mamless. It's Greek American, yeah. Ah, very cool. Mm-hmm. Nice one. Hey, Hannah, yeah. it was so nice to meet you. Yay! Thanks so much for playing Personality Bingo. Definitely, thanks. So guys, that was Hannah Mamela's playing personality bingo with Tom Moore. And a massive thank you to Hannah for taking the time to do it. She is so busy uh, with rehearsals for her friend show and everything like that. So it's massively appreciated. And uh, it was a deadly chat. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Guys, other than that, a massive thank you to Connor Nolan for her wonderful artwork. To Taz Kelleher for mixing, editing and producing this podcast. Be sure to check out all Taz's work. In particular, In the Shower with Taz and Marcus, which has been doing so well. And has been up in the charts, which is so good to see uh, for herself, for Marcus, for head stuff and to all involved other than that guys a massive thanks to Liam Moore and Anthony Manley for the wonderful team music a huge thank you to Alan and Paddy Sean Laura all the guys at Headstuff for all the wonderful work they do and a huge thank you to you for taking the time to listen guys uh, when you're listening to this we'll just close the rivals in Smock Alley but come and check out Fierce Notions in the Fringe Festival written by Fionn Foley produced by Andy Carberry uh, and presented by Ill-Advised Theatre Company come and check us out from September the 11th to the 17th at 9pm in in the black box uh, we've also got matinees on during the weekend aside from that come and check out our live show at the Tivoli Theatre with Jarlett Regan uh, he's also going to be chatting to Roddy Doyle as part of his Irishman Abroad podcast that is on September 22nd in the Tivoli Theatre tickets are on sale at Ticketmaster right now come and see us guys it's super exciting and tickets are starting to move fast for that I'm not just saying that that's actually a fact guys thank you so much for listening we'll see you next week for another episode of Personality Bingo with Tom Morin. Tom Morin's personality bingo. Tom Morin's personality bingo. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network.